Hey everyone, we are back for another exciting episode with some pretty intriguing guests. This week, we have someone who is showing us all firsthand, in real time, what it's like to break the glass ceiling of the marching arts activity. We'll also find out what made Tom say... They're so fun, but at the same time you're like, wow, I couldn't do that when I was that age. And why Nicole said... They just did a whole season within a weekend. <laughs> All this and more on this week's episode of On a Water Break. Let's go. Set it up. Top of the show. Form. Check form. Cover down. Do it again. Run it back. And we'll see you at the show. Welcome to another episode of On a Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. March is Women's History Month, and we'll be celebrating all month long with amazing guests, fun interviews, and maybe we'll learn a little bit as we go. It is also Music in Our School Month, so let's get right into it. So for Women's History Month, we have lots of amazing females we will be talking to all month long, including a special interview with the icon. Peggy Twiggs. Today, however, we have someone of the forefront of our activity, being the only female drill writer in all of DCI right now, the trailblazing Lindsay Schuler. Before we bring her out, we want to check out who's on the sidelines this week. Hey, Tom. Hello, hello. Again from, well, still sunny California, at least for now. <laughs> that was moving you, huh? <laughs> and hi nicole hello hi what is up now we are going to be having more guest hosts stop by rehearsals and hang out this week we have an amazing color guard director from my home state of missouri she works at houston high school mm. in missouri she is a performing member of the pride of missouri state independent open guard please welcome beth Tatum. All right, so like you said, Jackie, I am the guard director at Houston High School, and I'm also a performing member of Missouri State. So um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Houston is a little Title I school about 90 miles east of Springfield. And then having that and performing on an independent open guard means I am on both sides of the spectrum a lot of the time. And this year has been just amazing on both fronts and I cannot wait to keep seeing where that goes. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about your background. What, where, how did you get involved in Color Guard in the first place? So I started Color Guard in eighth grade. Uh, one of my friends in the drama club introduced me to it and it was, I'm quite happy to say, love at first sight. And that has never really waned. Basically, from the first time I had a flag in my hands, I knew I was going to be doing this for as long as possible. And to be fully frank with you, I was not very good when I started, but you can love something you're not good at. And eventually <laughs> I got a lot better. Um, it took a while, but I am I'm still head over heels in love with it. I love performing. And now that I've started teaching a guard versus just helping out... I, I love that just as much, if not more, you know, helping the next generation come up, helping my students grow their skills. I'm just very lucky. 
there's definitely something to be said about not being good when you start. I mean, really, none of us are good when we start. But like the only people you really see are the awesome ones. And so the fact that you like keep with it, even though you're like, you know, you're not, you know, world class material the first year out is it's so such a great dedication. So what was it like having like creating this new team? Because I know I've been around with, um, you know, Houston is kind of in the same area. Sometimes we have students from them come and participate in the Spintronics Winter Guard uh, because they haven't had a Winter Guard in the past. So like I, I kind of know where you're moving into here. What has it been like to create a whole new program in this rural school? So it has been an amazing experience. I could not have predicted the amount of community and administration support we got. Uh, we were non-competitive this year just to get started. But even from the first time I approached our band director, Mr. Van Dielen, with the idea of a winter guard, he immediately said, yes, I love it. What do you need to make that happen? And that, that kind of reaction is exactly what we've had from higher level administration, from our athletic director, and from the community, we've had a great audience at the shows that we've done. Uh, we did a showcase in Clever High School, and they were wonderful hosts. It was so great to get the kids uh, out of our own gym, even though our gym is wonderful. Uh, and of course, it was a lot of work. So, so much work. Uh, but I am I'm incredibly pleased with the results. And I know the kids had a great time, and they are excited to keep growing and to hopefully compete next year. So all of your kids, this is their like first year doing Winter Guard at all? Yes, for Winter Guard, this is everyone's first foray into it, uh, except mine. But they took to it like ducks to water. We actually were able to grow our team a little bit from fall by auditioning some new members in. They've created their own new dynamic. I got some great student leadership to help me out. And... I just know that they had a great time this season. We got some clinics coming up that they're looking forward to. It's just, it's been better than I ever could have hoped for. That's awesome. You're going to, you've just opened a slew of <laughs> a new world, a whole new world for all of those girls. <laughs> well, do you guys know what else is today? Well, Today isn't like the day we're recording, not necessarily the day that the podcast comes out. It is the birthday of our amazing host and founder of the cookout, Nicole Younger. Yeah, I got, let's see, I slept in way too long. It was awesome. Um, I, nice. <laughs> I did not uh, crack my uh, laptop open until mm, four o'clock. Um, nice. <laughs> got my nails done, and um, yeah, so I'm gonna and I'm gonna get some food later. So I'm just not a big celebrator of my own birthday because of the day that falls on this birthday, and it wasn't always like that. But like, it's International Woman's Day. So, mm. like, I'm big on that whole hashtag, what is it, um, empowered women, empower women, and yeah, so, love it. I feel like sleeping in and not working and eating good food is is its own kind of celebration. Though. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do everything. It's a mental health birthday, right? Right. 
<laughs> oh, so good. So good. <laughs> and also I'm doing one of my, you know, one of the things that I love to do is talk. So I'm on a podcast right now doing that. <laughs> oh, you know what people should yeah. do for your birthday? They should go buy tickets to the cookout. You know, that would be the utmost yes. huge, like, uh, best birthday present ever is to purchase either, you know, some merchandise from marchingcookout.com. So uh, proceeds, some of the proceeds off of those, uh, off the merch will go towards the event. Um, you can also go to marchingcookout.com and there is a link to click on to get your tickets. Um, so, and also you can donate through um, that site as well. So that would be a very nice thing. We are still kicking it off. And just so any, if anybody doesn't know, it's the day after WGI finals, April 16th um, at the Courtyard Marriott. Uh, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. in just enough time to get you, you know, one last uh, networking opportunity in before you have to head home from WGI Finals. Nice. Hey, Nicole, does the uh, does the cookout have a Facebook page? The cookout does have a Facebook page, and it's called The Cookout. Um, you can just type it in. There are a couple different ones. We are the one, we're the cookout that has the bright colors that you cannot miss. <laughs> Um, yeah. Nice. <laughs> and we also have an Instagram, um, the cookout CG. Uh, so you can find, um, more information on Instagram as well. Before we jump into this rehearsal too deep, let's continue our little segment winter watch. Each week we have our hosts and correspondents fanning out around the country to keep us up on what's going on with the winter activity. We have everyone's favorite band mom, Cindy Berry, AKA Leander mama right up front to give us what's happening in Wintergard right now. Take it away, Cindy. Hey y'all, Leander Mama here with your latest Wintergard chat after my exciting weekend in Texas attending WGI Austin. It was so exciting to finally be able to go to a competition live and in person this season. And where better for me to go than good old Leander, Texas. Yeah, they should call it WGI Leander, don't y'all agree? Anyway, the guards last weekend were on fire, and unfortunately, so was I, because for most of Saturday, the air conditioning in that gym was not working. I was about to call the fire department for some cooling off when I finally felt the AC kick on Saturday night. The stands were blazing hot by Saturday night as well, and absolutely packed with people anxious to see the world guards, and for good reason, but I will get to that in a minute. The Scholastic A division in Austin was huge. We had 42 guards competing in that division alone on Saturday, and it was a real feat just to make it into one of those 15 finalist slots on Sunday. Now I'm thinking they need to add a semifinals round to WGI Austin in the future and maybe hold it at a different school on Saturdays so that we can get more of these guards set up for success in the coming years. Come on, WGI, ask me for my opinion. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath, but maybe we will see some changes like this happening in the near future. As usual, I saw a lot of great shows in the A division, and I was also excited to see some of my favorites of the season. Shadow Creek got the crowd fired up with their River Deep Mountain High show. Now, I don't actually know the name of their show, and this is another suggestion I have for guard competitions in general. Make a program that we can hold in our hands that shows the schedule, the names of the songs being used, 
and most importantly, the names of the shows themselves. Man, I'm just full of advice today. I was excited to see some guards from the Dallas area venture down as well for a change, like the Hebron A Guard and their JV team. And we also had two phenomenal groups from Mount Pleasant, Texas, which is closer to Arkansas than it is to Austin. But they were fantastic, and I was so happy to see them. I was also happy to see some guards from the Leander District, like Vista Ridge, Rouse, and Cedar Park. Vista was in the unlucky number 16 spot after Saturday, so they barely missed finals. But Rouse came in 8th overall, and Cedar Park finished in 5th place with a lovely rose-themed show called For You. It was so pretty. Now, the top four guards of the Scholastic A division were all from the Houston area. It was Katie, Friendswood, Cy Woods, and Pearland. So there are obviously great things going on over there, y'all. The Woodlands has got you guys fired up or something, and we are really starting to see some phenomenal guards coming out of that part of the state. Now, moving on to the open class guards, there were only nine groups in prelims and seven that moved on to finals, but they were all fantastic. I was disappointed that Jordan did not make finals here because they were killing it in Scholastic A before they were moved up to open class last week, but I'm confident we will see them improving quickly. The guards that did make finals had some of the most fun shows I have seen in a long time. Winston Churchill had the wackiest show called Catch Me If You Can, and they were dressed up like zoo animals and doing crazy stunts. But it was just so energetic and so fun and just, wow. I think I'll start calling them Wacky Winston. Of course, Earl Ward was there with their Saturday Night Fever show that I'm also crazy about. And I have to say, this thing is even more awesome live. Everyone was clapping along and this show just doesn't stop entertaining. And the guard looks so happy to be performing it. I just love everything about it. No, I didn't run down onto the floor to join them with my Saturday night fever-inspired dance moves, but I did get to hang out with them after awards were over and talk with them a bit, and they are just the sweetest, most humble group of kids. That was definitely a highlight of the weekend for me. Now, Westlake Varsity has been winning local competitions all season with their show called My Own. And this past weekend was no exception as they took the gold at their first WGI regional of the season. I look forward to seeing this one play out and hopefully pay off in a big way in Dayton. They are currently ranked seventh in the country in open class. I have to throw a quick shout out here to the James Bowie guard who killed it with their futuristic robot style show and took second place here. I felt like I was seeing glimpses of the old Bowie world-class guard And I bet we will see these guys moving back into that class sometime in the future. But not yet, because I want to see them continue killing it in open class. Now, for the first time, I believe, in WGI Austin history at least, we had three Scholastic World Guards from Texas competing against each other. And it was phenomenal to see. Flower Mound was just moved up last week, but still did a really great job and scored a 73.2 in their first weekend as a world-class guard. Not too shabby. Also new to the world-class scene this season was the Moe and Jean Johnson High School guard, who took second with a score of 75.9. This guard has only been competing a few years, y'all, and they are already doing amazing things 
and making a real name for themselves in the Winter Guard community. But you guys, the Woodlands came out and showed off in a big way, scoring a whopping 86 in finals. That is huge. And because of that score, they are currently ranked second in the country, just behind the Tarpon Springs World Guard. Y'all just don't know how amazing these girls are, and I couldn't be more excited that they are taking this show to the World Championships. Come on, Woodlands, bring home our first Texas World Guard medal. Another exciting thing that happened over the weekend was that I had the privilege of interviewing the seniors of the Woodlands Guard, and we will hopefully be sharing some clips of that interview with you all out there in podcast land very, very soon. These ladies are fantastic, and it was an honor to speak with them. I want to finish my Austin recap by saying that the independent guards we saw also just blew me away. There's a new guard out of the Houston area, of course, called Third Coast Independent, and they are already just doing incredible things. And of course, Invictus was amazing, and both of the Origins guards were absolutely fabulous. I can't wait to see these shows again because I really felt like I was watching some of the best shows I have ever seen in Texas. Texas is really doing some incredible work in Winter Guard these days. Well, that is all the time I have for today. I could talk so much more about these amazing groups, but you all just need to see them for yourselves. And if you can't, then you need to be following my Instagram account because I do my best to cover as many groups as I can on competition days. They all deserve to be seen. And I will see all of you next week. Have a great one, everybody. All right, so this past weekend, I had the honor of performing at the Tulsa Regional. It was a very long day for us. I know I personally woke up at 5.30 and didn't properly go to sleep until about 3 a.m. the next day. Uh, so a very long day, of course, with prelims and finals. Missouri State had a great showing in both Independent A and Independent Open. Um, both groups took home first, I'm very proud to say. Uh, Tulsa, always a great show. Union High Ooh. School kids are great hosts, and it's a wonderful venue. Nice. And it was just an awesome day. That's awesome. Uh, regional weekend, dude. <laughs> yeah. Staying up those many hours. And then honestly, once you finally get to the end of that day, I bet everything was just like coming out <laughs> as far as like all the steam. So Beth, what's it like to have two guards at one college? So fun fact, we actually have three guards at one college. Um, this past weekend, of course, Pride of Missouri State and National Avenue traveled to Tulsa. Our third guard, also Independent A, 901 Performance Ensemble, stayed home to represent us at MCCGA NXA. It is definitely a logistics challenge, finding gym space, scheduling time, but our director, John Sullivan, does an amazing job of all of it. And it is always great to have help pulling your floor, to have a built-in audience at run-through rehearsals, I really love the system we have here. I'm so glad we have an opportunity to give so many performers a venue and a way to perform and that we give them different levels as well. 
I just want to throw in a little uh, recap from Flint being a Michigan native. Like, yes, I know I'm a Missouri girl, but I did spend a very good chunk of my young life in Michigan. Um, in Scholastic Regional A, we had Rockford High School top it out with a 76. And again, I'm looking at this, you know, we talked about this a little bit the last couple of weekends, lots of 70s and 80s going on. And and this more is the more of the time that we would uh, expect to see these 70s and 80s as we get on further into the season. Um, and IRA, Troy Athens alias took the gold with a 75. Uh, Scholastic A, we have Reefs Puffer High School with an 84. Uh, IA, I have to say this is one of my favorite um, guards to watch on Instagram is Caledonia Independent, and they took home the first place with an 80.98. So I definitely am excited to see where they're going to go score-wise as they go on. Um, and then in Independent Open, Independent World, we had one guard in each class. Io was State of Art, which is the uh, Michigan State Guard, and Independent World was Onyx, and Onyx absolutely dominating with an 88. So I'm really excited to see where all of those go throughout the rest of the season as we creep up on championships here. Uh, Steven is back with a percussion recap. Lots of stuff is happening over there. So what's going on with those drummers, Steven? What's cracking, gang? It's your boy, Steve McCarrick. About to regurgitate these scores, my new perk recap for the WGI scene on this fine weekend, recapping the March 4th regionals for you all. Start things off in the great state of Texas, where Monarch and Rhythmic Force made their WGI debuts for the year. Monarch finished off the weekend in first place with a score of 83.95, and Rhythmic Force finished not too far behind with a score of 79.9. This competition also saw four Scholastic World Groups, where Cyfair High School was able to win, scoring an 86 flat, followed by Perland High School, Timber Creek High School, then finally Carroll Senior. In open class, seven groups competed, and Clearbrook High School won, placing the new highest open class score that I've seen this year, an 88. In A-class, Porter High School won with an 84.2. Moving over to Spartanburg, South Carolina, we got some more open-class action. Dorman High School won the competition with an 85.5, followed by 96 High School with a score of 80.35. Then Hardin Valley Academy placed third with a score of 75.5. In Independent Open, Civitas scored a sturdy 84.0, followed by Paradigm Percussion with a 77.95, and Palmetto Indoor Theater scoring uh, 73.45. Trilogy Independent won Independent A competition with a score of 80, and Gwinnett County Combined Schools won Scholastic A, scoring an 83.5. One of our larger uh, regionals this weekend took place in Richmond, Virginia, where we got to see George Mason and South County High School make their WGI world-class debuts for the year. Mason came out the gates hot with an 83.15, and South County represented well as well, scoring a 74.075. This competition hosted a large number of A and open class ensembles as well. In open class, Clover High School won with an 83.35, followed by Thomas Jefferson High School and Powhatan. Shoutouts to Jay Noah. And in A class, Chantilly High School won with a score of 77.2, followed by Hickory High School and Dawson Bryant. Last but not least, our largest WGI re uh, regional of the weekend was a two-day competition held in Indianapolis, Indiana 
which saw five independent world ensembles take the floor for competition. At the bottom of the pack, we had Veritas, who scored a 74.2, in a similar neighborhood to Redline, who scored a 75.8. Cap City leapt ahead a little bit, scored an 80.65, but what really got me excited from this show is seeing Connexus score an 82.9. Do you think this will be the first year that they make world-class finals? We'll see in about six weeks. Finally, my absolute favorite home team heroes, RhythmX, won the competition with a score of 88.45. In Scholastic World, Avon High School won the show with an 86.75, followed by Centergrove, who scored an 83.2. Next was the hometown crew of Franklin Central High School, who scored a 77.35, leaving Fishers High School close behind with a 76.05. Victor J. Andrews won open class at that SCO with, with a score of 84.2, but Brownsburg High School gave them a run for their money. They finished with an 84.1. In A-Class, Noblesville High School won with a score of 77.65. And that wraps up our WGI competitions for the week. But just in case any of you, like me, are always wondering what the West Coast is cooking, yeah, you need to know, they were booling, throwing down. Last week's guest from my performer spotlight, Ann Turner, put her money where her mouth was and scored a 93.1 at SCPA Monrovia on Sunday with RCC. Get it, Ann. And Broken City knocked on that door, too. They managed to bring home a 92.55 the day before at the same venue. Meanwhile, Chino Hills High School pushed their score even further, up to a 92.55, followed by Ayala, who scored an 89.425, and Arcadia with an 87.1. I don't know what they drinking in California, but I'm going to need a scoop of that vitamin mix in my water tomorrow morning. They are clearly on some. Anyway, that wraps up my perk recap for the week. I can't wait to see what these groups perform at WGI Finals. It'll be here before we know it, and it looks like it's going to be a good one. Talk to you all next week. <laughs> right? SoCal drumming is just exploding. Yeah, that's, that's a huge scene for drumming right now. Uh, I also want to mention, though, Cypher High School in Texas, they were open class in prelims and got promoted to world class mm-hmm. and won world class. Yeah. Yeah, I heard about that. I was like, oh. how rad is that? They just did a whole season within a weekend. <laughs> right? And, and they didn't just win. They, I think they dominated by like six points. Oof. Oof. I know that I know some of the people that work with Cypher and they've been there for a while. And that is a uh, really strong, really strong program, um, obviously. But yeah, congrats to those kids in that, that program. Yeah, that's wonderful, man. I, I only have a small foot in the percussion world. Like I worked with Monarch for a while, but then I got to see a little bit. And um, I am a huge I'm a I'm a fangirl for some Broken City. Like, city. Uh, they've always been like the first time I saw them. I was like, oh, people are they're moving. Their drummers are moving like gracefully. I'm, I can't believe it. And then you know, so many notes, so many notes. But yeah, so I'm excited to see what's happening. I call it Diddle Debbie. <laughs> so, I'm excited to see what happens at Diddle Debbie. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of good things this year, and and the cool thing is, like you. Color guard and percussion. There's a lot of shows that are just entertaining again. That like the subject isn't so over the top. It's really just about having a fun, entertaining show. It seems like again, 
Mm-hmm. I kind of like that pacing this year. Yeah. All right, everyone. We have someone else that you all should know more about. The amazing Lindsay Schuler, who is currently the visual designer for the Troopers. She's up next. So you better have your dot books and your drill charts ready. Hey, this is Nicole, one of your hosts for On a Water Break, and I want to tell you about The Cookout. The Cookout is an event celebrating people of color in Color Guard. This event is happening in Dayton, Ohio, April 16th, the day after WGI finals at the Courtyard Marriott Hotel, aka headquarters. There will be presenters and speakers, networking opportunities, food, and more. To get more information on how to get your tickets to go to the cookout, visit marchingcookout.com or visit our Instagram, it's the cookout CG, or our Facebook page, The Cookout. We can't wait to see you there. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. Shop our extensive consignment inventory for great looks for your team that won't break your budget. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. Check out our fun merchandise and gift items. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Contact us for custom show design services. Clean out your storage areas and get money back into your budget with our consignment program. Guard Closet is here to help you get all you want and need this winter season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. As a part of Women's History Month, we are talking to the women in our activity that are making the difference and breaking the barriers. Today, we have a modern barrier breaker. I was completely shocked to learn that this person was the first female to make finals in DCI with the drill that she wrote. Of course, we are talking about Lindsay Shue. Hello. Welcome, Lindsay. So welcome. It's nice to have you have you here with us on the podcast. Thanks for joining Thank you. us. Thank you. So so we like to start with a little bit of a timing game, if you will, and we call it the 32 count life story. Okay. Right. So think about all the things you've done, where you've marched, where you started, where you're from, where you're at now, who you're with, in case anybody doesn't know where you live. So you can give us all the good stuff, the bad stuff, all the dirty stuff, whatever you want to go over. And we're going to do it in 32 counts. So I'm going to give you an eight okay. count metronome lead in and then it's on. Okay. okay. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Excellent. Ready? Yes. Start. Okay. So I grew up in Michigan. I was a percussionist until I discovered drum corps, and then I wanted to play baritone. So I did in Blue Stars, Blue Coats, and Crown. Then I played some cymbals in Genesis and Rhythm X, and I've been teaching at Legends and Troopers ever since. I teach at Q2 in Atlanta. Hopefully that was enough counts. Yeah, that was, well, I don't even care. It was great. That was fantastic. Oh my gosh. I like, okay, so yeah. Good job to Lindsay, because that's not easy. I challenge everybody listening to try to do their life story in 32 counts. It's not, <laughs> it sounds like a lot, but it's, it's not, it goes fast. It's, it's not a lot. Yeah, it's not a lot. Not really. So, so like, tell us a little bit about where you started, you know, did you, sure. were you in band when you were in, in high school or how did that all start for you? So I, I started 
in uh, at, at a charter school in fourth grade. My sister had played clarinet like two times ever. And I was like, that sounds awesome. And so um, despite like wanting to, like I saw somebody playing a trumpet once and I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. I tried <laughs> playing trumpet and I just couldn't even sustain a buzz, but we didn't have like a legit teacher or anything like that. It wasn't sure. regular. Um, and so I was like, I guess I must be bad at this whole brass Aww. thing. And so I just tried clarinet cause that's what my sister played. Um, but I actually switched school districts right after that. And, um, there was just something about the percussion world that like struck me during that time. And so I actually played percussion all through middle school and I was in the drum line in marching band all through high school, even while marching drum corps as a brass player, I was, I came home wow. to be in the drum line. So that's like um, work it, of both sides of your brain. Yeah, you're doing yeah, winds yeah, and percussion was, at the yeah, same time. And, and eventually became way more beneficial than I knew in the moment. But Yeah, um, I bet it did. Yeah, in yeah. hindsight, I'm sure you see that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Know know yeah. all of the the different worlds and kind of how they how they work separately and work together and that became yeah, where they come thing. together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where, where they are similar and where they're different and you could speak both languages and that's, yeah, yeah exactly. That's a huge asset. So yeah. who did you start marching with? Like when you first marched? Um, drum Corps, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was blue stars for two years and okay. then blue coats for another two years. And then I took a year off. Um, and then I, two years at crown. Or oh, just crown, just you know, yeah. just only some of the most Casual. you know world class wars <laughs> you could talk to. Yeah, great, good yeah. job. <laughs> yeah, which I always found kind of funny because I was, I didn't really, I didn't take a whole lot of lessons or like really have much development beyond just the drum corps idiom in my brass playing. Mm -hmm. So there was a group of us in, um, in in and around those crown years that were kind of similar, and we always found it hilarious that like we the not good brass players of Carolina <laughs> crown, like us self-taught people, like we won brass, like we were part of that. Uh, and that it was always funny, but now it's a little bit like, Oh, that's like kind of cool and encouraging of like, that's kind of, yeah, you can kind of do what you want to do and, and make yourself into what you want to be. And there you go. You just surmise or summarize the whole thing for us. Right. You know, that's, yeah. and that's really, that's the lesson and the, the example that you can set for, other people. Now, when you were coming up in the activity and when you first started marching, were you one of the few females that you saw in your, whether it was in your section or how did, you know, where did you see yourself? There was definitely not a lot in, in battery world, world. and I, I played cymbals at uh, Genesis and Rhythm X and, and there were really not a whole lot there either. It was just, and especially low brass in the drum corps world, there really wasn't a whole lot of a whole lot of gals um sure. there was like maybe a girl tuba player and like four or five baritones um and, and that became a, it seemed to be a bit more pronounced as i moved from group to group um hmm. interesting at the time blue coats was rocking a solid sixth place like essentially year after year mm -hmm. um and then crown was kind of in the top three in that zone so it, it was kind of interesting for me to see and and i don't know if it's correct or just correlation causation any of these things but it was kind of interesting that like the higher in placement we were the fewer girls there were um that's really interesting 
And yeah, that is an it, interesting observation. And and it was it was it something you were cognizant of at the time? Like, did you or were you like, yeah, whatever, I'm just here to play? Yeah, it, I mean, in a little bit of a way, mostly because like my uh, my age out summer with Crown, there were eight girls total in the horn line of 80. So like we're 10 percent. Yeah, um, and so cute. we all knew each other. We all knew. I would imagine, yeah. You know, it's uh, that's just kind of a thing. You you know each other. You have that one little thing in common that most, very, very much, most of the horn line does not. Um, True. Yeah. So it did never you, was. Did, did you feel like you were issue or anything that's weird? Be my you idea. know, it, mm-hmm. it was just something that was like, oh, huh, interesting. Right, a little bit of a head scratch. A little bit like, hmm, this is interesting. I mm-hmm. wonder why. I'm going to keep playing my part. I'm going to do my thing and yeah. you know, knock it out every time. And there could be a whole bunch of variety of reasons that could be a totally different percentage at a similarly placing drum corps. Like sure. blue devils was very back and forth with us around that time. I don't know what their percentage was, but right. it was but just your kind experience. Of, you know, what you experience. saw the personally, the was a, a, you know, like you said, it was like 10% of the whole, of the whole core. So that, or that the horn line. So that's interesting. And I'm sure that had to shape you in some fashion in terms of how you moved forward. It did. The it really did. Um, the, uh, I guess a bigger defining moment for me was, I want to say it was like 2014, maybe 2015, something like that. When everyone was doing like man crush Monday and woman crush Wednesday on Facebook, um, WGI mm-hmm. decided that they were going to get in on this trendy thing and so they posted on it must have been in march for or i hope it was in march for like what's who are your female instructors you know tag them who were they Mm -hmm. all this stuff and i was like um how many female instructors have i even had at all it was five in my in my six years of marching drum corps and four years of marching indoor, I was directly taught by five women. Mm. Yeah. And there you have it. That's, that's very, it's very profound. I know from my experience, I had very few, you know, my, my classroom teachers. And when I was younger, there were more females, but as I progressed and as I ate, you know, got older and went through high school and college, it, it became almost non-existent, you know, that the, the, the instructors, like you said, were male and that's kind of it's hard to find somebody and especially the designers oh for sure i i I could talk about that because i was in a woodwind section so i was in a woodwind arc a perpetual arc in the back of the uh field for yeah six years (laughs) between high school and college but i can appreciate that so when did you first realize that that maybe drill design was something you want you wanted to pursue oh really early um yeah i i remember i mean how I kind of got into doing band, it, it was technically a year late within my school district because I didn't go to that school until sixth grade, but they started band in mm-hmm. fifth grade. So I was like mm-hmm. already paying, playing catch up. Okay. Um, it, and that's kind of how I always felt in like the musical side of things. And so once the, the world of marching band opened, I was just like, oh my gosh, you mean to say this whole field is just like graph paper? And I'm like, this coordinate from this, and I can like calculate my vector. And I was just like, this is so cool. And and that part always resonated with me more than anything else. And I, obviously, I, I grew to have my own 
different type of appreciation for the music side of things. Uh, And all of that was special in its own way. But like, I was always drawn more towards the visual side. And, And I ended up marching certain places because of certain visual instructors and certain visual designers that I wanted to learn specifically from them. And so it was almost a, a musical challenge for me because I had to get that much better at my instrument to be able to march with that group to learn from those visual people. Uh, because just how our activity is, that's, is that's weight, awesome. weighted more. So you, you have to be musically good in order to even get to that visual level. So I, I well, was already there. Yeah, you, I mean, and that's something that takes some people a long time it, it took me a long time, but I was in the activity for a long time. I started when I was 15. So right. by the time I was already like graduating high school, I was into my fourth year of drum corps. And I was like, oh, this is old news. I know what's going on here. I, you know, oh my I gosh. get it. Right. So yeah, I was, I was really lucky to kind of fall into it early and be and my parents letting me do it that young. Um, yeah, and that's, and that's it was even affordable. Bold. Uh, there was no way I would be able to do drum corps for that many years at this rate uh, of cost. There's no yes. way. And yeah, so it, it, it was just a very fortunate time to be in it. Well, to me, that just means that this is what you were supposed to do. You hit it at all the right so. times and you figured it all out. And so that's the universe talking to you saying, here, this is what I'm supposed to do. I, f- I found it. Not everybody gets there that luxury. Is. And so it's really cool. That's yeah. really neat to know that you did that. So. I wanted to give a little shout out. So one of our hosts, Jackie, she marched with you at Blue Stars. Yeah. And she told us that she was directly behind you and the rest of the Mellows in the opening set. And that you guys like to like say stuff to each other before before the performance. Yeah, always. And, and she said that she was just close to here, but too far to actually understand what you were saying. So now like she's like, <laughs> please, is there any way we can find out what were they saying? Like, was it something like magically motivational or no, was it you're about no, to tell us absolutely it was silly. not no it was silly <laughs> and stupid um yeah the baritones and euphoniums kind of connected to the mellophones and so i was kind of in that area but it, it's i mean it's your typical like teenage early college jokes and and inside this and that and stupid handshake you yeah. know all, all of that stuff that you, at that point, you don't really need like a motivator to do the show. You're going to do the show anyway. So you right. just kind of, yeah, you enjoy your time together and say your stupid things and, you know, do your dumb little dance because that's, that's the that's fun That's what bit. you do. That's, you're mm-hmm. exactly right. It's like, yeah. So at this point it was nearly, it was like what, 17 years ago, something like that. So I couldn't tell you exactly what we were saying, <laughs> you know, out of all of the, you know, lifetime of memories in drum corps, sure. there's certain moments that absolutely stand out because they were exceptional or funny or whatever. But some of those really funny things also become mundane because you're doing those at every show. And so it becomes this ritual and then it's just part of your day. So yeah, you just kind of forget like, Oh, what did we say? I don't know, but it's just what we did. So Jackie will just have to go to her grave knowing that she'll never know what you were actually saying while you were on the field. (laughs) And that's okay. I think Jackie, she'll, she'll manage, right, Jackie? I'm just talking to you now, but anyway, yeah. So that's, and you're right. You know, I think, but that's part of the the bond that we all make when we're in the marching arts, right? When, you know, whatever section you're in, whether you're in, in guard or percussion or winds, doesn't matter. You, you, you form those bonds. 
you know, and I'm sure too, when you were seeing the other females in, in the activity, that's also, like you said, a natural bond, right? It's, you know, yeah. like seeks like, or whatever they say, and, you know, stuff like that can happen. Were there any other females, like, can you think of one or two that like stand out to you in the activity that really did, that made you go, I want to either, I want to be like that or, you know, role models for you as you move through the activity? Um, I mean, all my instructors, all five of them, you know, and even to this day, I can name all five of them. Um, you can name them if you want. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how involved they are in in some of them. I don't think they're, they're super involved in all of it even still, but, um, you know, they, they were a huge part of it, but it was also just the lack of otherwise, you know, Mm, just, seeing actually a lot of really strong male role models who were interested in opening the door to Mm, me. Okay. Um, Yeah. And, and being very willing and open and understanding of that this current generation of designers is not going to be designing forever. So who is going to help usher in the next generation? that's them. They it's, it's on them. It's their onus to help motivate the activity forward. Um, and some of that does occur naturally of people, you know, they stumble into what they like to do. They find just the right ensemble and all of that can occur naturally. And it still isn't enough to get you into that next space. Um, so I, honestly it's, it was, the willingness and openness of some male role models to take me under their wing and say, no, you belong in this space. That's what motivated me and, and really did believe that I do. And that's, I think that's a big deal. Like you said, and it doesn't even matter in terms of how you identify with your gender, but it's just the idea that to reach, reach back and pull up and assist up, Mm -hmm. right. You know, so that we can help eliminate some of those barriers. So we know what we've gone through in whatever our activity is and how do we help the next generation? And you said it perfectly that, you know, we're not going to be around forever. You know, do we want a legacy? Do we want to, do we want the activity to per, you know, perpetuate? Sure we do, you know, and they're going to, the next generation is going to take it and let it grow. And that's exactly what you did. I'm so glad that you had anybody that was willing to do that for you, male, female, it doesn't matter, you know, right. but you did it. And, and I think it's also the onus is two ways, right? Like the, whoever's reaching back has to provide that, but whoever's coming up has to step up, right? Yeah. They have to go up to do it and step up yep. to the challenge. And so what do you think, you know, you were fortunate and you had that opportunity. What do you think are more of the barriers that other, maybe other cores or other experiences, what do you think the barriers are that still exist and what do you, do you have any ideas about how to maybe break those barriers even more? Oh man, I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of barriers that are as with most things, subconscious and mm-hmm. unintentional, like our, our activity is becoming increasingly more athletic. And yes. so it's, it's easy to favor your tall, lean guys who, you know, are going to look strong. Um, and kind of look your part, um, but not really take into account different body types, different abilities, different strengths. Because there, I mean, there's certain types of flexibility that girls can have that guys 
have a little bit more trouble getting. And, and that's just one example, but there's, I think in this, uh, this strive to look a certain way, people are being left behind. Hmm. Um, that's really interesting. I have, I have often thought that because I mean, I'm old, right? So I've been, I, have, I haven't been in the activity for a very long time, but I, I actually, as I see the, you know, as the modern era core and the modern era, ba- even marching bands, you know, even high school bands, they, they're becoming much more athletically demanding of their mm-hmm. students as they and do And it's not movement. to say that the, the young women can't do it is right. that they're often not given the opportunity, the opportunity. And, mm-hmm. and, and women grow muscle slower than guys. And that was probably one of the, the best things that I learned from my first female instructor in 2006. She was a baritone player in the cadets and I was a baritone player and I was small. I was 15. I had like half of a muscle and I was <laughs> struggling holding up my horn for an extended period of time as euphonium players do. And she pulled some of us aside and said, hey, you just need to know that if you fight through this, women grow muscles slower. So the longer you can fight this, the better you'll be the your male counterparts who are just as weak as you are are going to get muscle in like two days Mm. don't be discouraged just keep going and and that was something that I was just like oh I had never even thought about that like this is going to be harder for me for longer and I just need to I need to know that and I need to deal with that and by the end of that moment I was like oh once I get through this, I'm going to be potentially stronger than this guy who stopped gaining muscle right? like two weeks yeah. ago. So <laughs> I just need to do the thing. And so I, I think there's differences that can be appreciated and talked about and, and not thought of as a weak point within your visual program or, or anything like that, or, or pigeonholed people to certain sure. roles of like, oh, and this is an only male rifle line or whatever, you know, so... To me, that that gem right there, even just that one nugget of information can help so many people. So anybody that's listening right now, you know, that that's a it's it seems very basic, but it's so critical. And it was very critical to your success early on. Yeah. And that's uh, I'm just I, that's I don't know, it's very heartwarming. I feel really happy that she had took that time to explain that to you, because I think a lot of times if we understand the why it helps us yeah. get through whatever it is we're doing, you know, and that the only way through the only way to get to the other side is through. You know, there's no, there's no shortcut to it. You have to go through it in order to do it. And that's a great lesson to, to learn. So uh, Lindsay, I'm, I'm like, I could just sit here and talk to you for. Yeah, like, we might have to do it. Cause so far we we've really only talked. Yeah. Cause we've <laughs> talked about like how to really break in as a performer. We might have to talk about how to break in as a, as an instructor. As, designer. as an instructor. We might have to do a part two. I, I, I'm, I'm already inviting you back. So I'm Jerry, <laughs> you know, I know Jeremy, our producer is like, yes, girls bring it, do it. Yes. Yeah. Whenever. Um, so yeah, we'll just, we'll, we'll catch you on another episode and we're just going to feature you. So that's just when it's going to be. Okay. Um, so we have a, a game we like to play with our, yes. our guests. Okay. Um, and it's kind of like the Mary kiss kill game, but we take a little different spin since we are marching activity. Sure. We are going to say March teach cut. So I want you to think about any show you would have liked to March that you didn't get to March, mm-hmm. uh, any show you would have liked to design or teach yeah. uh, that you didn't, and one show that maybe never needs to have seen the light of day. 
Okay. I, I maybe, have, that might be extreme, yeah. but maybe just one that maybe just needs to fade away into the, the distance. Okay. So, okay. So any, mm-hmm. you can answer them in any order. So I'll let you go. For sure. Um, March, I would say 2008 Blue Devils. Okay. Um, because it is unpopular of a show as it kind of was at the time. It was, it was their first kind of tiptoe into the like crazy world of art history and uh you know just out there theme but expressing it in a very interesting and movement-based way um i really enjoyed the Mm. show at the time and i've only grown to enjoy it more as the years have gone on that's great shows that age well are 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 awesome So it's like wow, uh, and it's a still little, solid. Like a I little still put it unpopular of of a show because uh, just the the nature of the competition that year was sure. made them feel even that more different. What's a show you would have liked to have designed or teach? Probably one any of the early mid two thousands Cavalier super geometric type shows. Mm-hmm. It would have been really cool to just dig into the math of everything of like oh you're moving this while you're doing this and it's this vector going this angle like. Like dig into the nerdy oh side of it. Um, You're making and, my head and, hurt. That's yeah, when I'm any, just like, oh my god, I don't know. <laughs> anything within that era of like 2000 to 2006, um, just when they're they're at their peak geometric age. Peak geometric of, age. Oh, I think Michael you've Gaines. just you've just classified a new whole new level. It's the peak <laughs> geometric age for the Cavaliers in the early yeah. 2000s. That's great. That's fantastic. And is there one show that you might have even been a part of it that you're just like, that mm-hmm. just needs to just fade, fade away? Fade away no, gracefully. I, no, I guess this is also unpopular opinion. Because um, like most of the shows that end up not being like good are as a result of like not great music, not great drill, not great programming, things that aren't the members' fault. Right. Um, and so I can't like fault any group in that way. No, and yeah. then there's obviously groups that are amazing. So, you know, shooting kind of that middle gap, um, unpopular opinion, I would prefer for 2008 Spartacus Phantom Regiment to have never happened. They were, they won no performance captions that I remember. Yeah. I mean, and that pairs along with why I liked Blue Devils so much that year, that 2008 year. That's the oh, one that see? I would love to march. And I would get rid of 2008 Phantom because they, it was just, hey, we're out here killing people. And it was like, man, but <laughs> like, do your horns better. Like, you know? So That's it great. was, yeah. it was a little like annoying as, uh, as an audience, as a repeat audience member. Like I, I had seen the show all along through tour so i knew like oh yeah you're gonna kill yeah you're gonna kill spartacus yeah we get it let's move it along and so you start to (laughs) zoom in on some of the actual performance of things and you're like "Mm, i don't know about that so i don't know if that's the best way they could have done that yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so i i think that's my unpopular opinion cut is spartacus and and there are many people yeah, there's so many people who are like, but the GE, and I'm just like, guys, <laughs> I no, I can't. I'm sorry. I love so. that you that you stood up and said which one you wanted, and you're like, this is what I say. This is one needs to go away. I own it, and you can you can dispute it if yeah. you want. And and, and yeah, I'm come sure at me if you want. That's I'm fine. sure our listeners will have something to contribute or comment or whatever. But you know, it's I think- an effective show that wasn't performed as well as it could have been exactly and you can't pinpoint you know you don't have to throw anybody under the bus just 
it's just what it needs was. to go away and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've had such a great time. We will definitely have you back. Uh, everyone, I want you to go grab your dot books and get back on the field. Lindsay checked them all and said they were great. Hey, this is Nicole, one of your hosts for On a Water Break, and I want to tell you about The Cookout. The Cookout is an event celebrating people of color in Color Guard. This event is happening in Dayton, Ohio, April 16th, the day after WGI finals at the Courtyard Marriott Hotel, aka headquarters. There will be presenters and speakers, networking opportunities, food, and more. To get more information on how to get your tickets to go to the cookout, visit marchingcookout.com or visit our Instagram. It's the cookout CG or our Facebook page, the cookout. We can't wait to see you there. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. Shop our extensive consignment inventory for great looks for your team that won't break your budget. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. Check out our fun merchandise and gift items. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Contact us for custom show design services. Clean out your storage areas and get money back into your budget with our consignment program. Guard Closet is here to help you get all you want and need this winter season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. Guys, Lindsay is amazing. I know I keep saying this, but that's because it's true. It definitely bears repeating. I didn't mention this before, but Lindsay and I actually marched together at Blue Stars way back in the day. Uh, that was my rookie year at Blue Stars, and uh, Lindsay was a mellophone player. So that was really cool. Like, we already knew each other, and then we ended up teaching together years and years later at Legends. And so that was just like this amazing thing to be able to come back and be like, oh, hey. And like, neither of us knew the other one was going to be there. We just showed up and it was like, hey, wait, I know you. Hey, wait, I know you. <laughs> and it was just so cool. Drum Corps is such a, it's a big world, but it's a small world at the same time. I it's love that. True. Oh, yes. She's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm actually kind of fangirling out that you guys like march together. I, when I found out that she, well, first of all, I knew her um, from friend of a friend um, back when I was, um, when I went back to March um, at O2 in 2011, that's when I first met Lindsay and okay. um, she was getting her master's degree and had to do this presenting thing about um, sound and how, you know, all this other stuff. And so she stayed at our house. <laughs> oh my so gosh. That do that. Yeah. And um, now it's just like, oh, I know Lindsay. And then it's just like, I see her face popping up in different places. I'm like, dude, she is doing things. And then when I found out that she basically is the first female to, um, you know, be doing like world, finals, world class finals. She had a, a team there last year. That's yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so many people like it, it, just the degree of separation, like out of sight of that, but I've always been a fangirl, like <laughs> completely and totally. She's doing some great, great things. 
and I I don't know this for a, a 100% true fact, but is she also on the young side as far as like designers in DCI world class? Like she could do, if DCI were doing the 30 under 30, she's definitely, <laughs> she's on that list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yep. sure. Well, another fierce female educator is our girl, Whitney. She is fired up this week and has a few things to say in wisdom from Whitney. So take it away, Whitney. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Wisdom with Whitney. I am a little sick this week, so sorry if I sound congested. But anyways, this week we're going to talk about how to keep your parents from punishing the whole group if their student does something wrong. So what I do is I have a handbook and contract that fully outlines all expectations, and at the end... Um, there's lots of individual lines stating very specific things that I want to make sure that are, are covered and they understand. Like if they quit, there's a restaging fee is what we call it, um, to help cover the, the cost that has already been, you know, spent on the student. And it just has very, very specific, um, details on what is expected overall. Um, and something that I do every season is have a full mandatory parent meeting with everybody. And I go through the handbook and make sure that just everybody understands what is expected of them. Cause I think sometimes in color guard, marching band, we, we do get parents and families that have never really participated in anything before and don't really know how serious what we do is. So they can sometimes tend not to take it as seriously. So maybe they uh, go on vacation when they really shouldn't be, or if um, their kid is not, you know, holding up their end of the bargain at home, they'll pull them from rehearsal. I actually had that happen not too long ago. Um, so it, the handbook really just kind of helps hold them accountable, really, and um, helps them understand what is expected and why. And I think just being really clear from the start about that, like we, we need them at all rehearsals, unless they're very sick or if, if there was a, a death in the immediate family. Those are really, for me, those are really the only two excuses excuses that um that i find work i think just overall being clear your students and your families making sure they know exactly what is expected at all times that they, they need to be at all performances and practices um they need to schedule around competitions with um, vacations and all of that other stuff and the handbook has really helped me. I have very few absences and um, don't really have a lot of kids that end up missing competitions or anything. So it does help. I highly recommend it. If you need my handbook, um, you can always contact me and I will send you my handbook that you can use as an outline. But I think having that parent meeting and having a handbook 
is going to save you a lot of grief over the season, over the school year. So um, get started on that and just make sure the kids and parents know exactly what is expected of them. Thanks, Whitney. Okay, everyone, it is gush and go time. Woo! The time in our show where our hosts and guests get to gush and go on about anything they want to having to do with the marching arts. I'm very excited because I have a huge gush and go this week. Um, you know, we were talking about my marching history. My actual first years of DCI were actually with a, a small Division II, which now they would call it open class, uh, drum corps called the Memphis Sound. And this year, Drum Corps is coming back to Memphis. Memphis Sound had folded back much after I, uh, <laughs> I left. And uh, the new Drum Corps, the Memphis Blues Drum Corps, is coming to Memphis. And uh, they are going to be doing a sound sport. And they're going to be having a, a performance at two different DCI shows. The cost, oh my gosh, this cost is so low. It makes me want to cry because like it's half of what I paid when I was a member way back when. It's only $600. So if you've been thinking about joining a drum corps or getting your foot in the door with something involved in DCI and you're in the Midwest, Memphis, Tennessee, go join the Memphis Blues yeah. Drum Corps. They're doing um, auditions. Uh, the they're doing video auditions right now. Sorry, is what I was trying to say. <laughs> and uh, the deadline for that is April 29th. So get yourself in there and go do it. If you've been thinking about doing drum corps, it is such a fantastic experience. And yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just very excited. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when you can give somebody that kind of experience and I'm sorry, I look, I, I do like that price tag. <laughs> that's a, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, back back when I marched back in the day, it was like twelve hundred dollars for the season, and it's like, granted, it was a full like touring season and so on in a, in a Div Two core, so it it was a bit more of what we were doing, but still, like, if you've been thinking about trying to get into drum corps and you go look at some of these cores, especially the ones that are charging like four or five thousand dollars for member fees. And you see the 600 bucks, it's like, heck yeah, let's go do that. Mm -hmm. You know, without giving away my age too much here, uh, <laughs> when I marched, we did close to 40 shows, and I think the tour was about 500 bucks. Oh. But, right? That's glorious. Times have changed, and education has gotten better, and all that. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you get what you pay for now. That experience. It's a different experience these days. Yeah. Uh, Tom, what do you want to gush and go about? All right. I want to gush and go because it is um, – <clears throat> we're, we're talking about women uh, and celebrating women in the activity. Uh, my mother passed away about two weeks ago, and uh, <clears throat> she was in drum corps. She was in color guard. So I just wanted to celebrate her and give her a shout-out. So that's my gush. That's great. Oh, oh, so great. <laughs> 
Nicole, why don't you take it? Um, let's see. Well, I guess I could gush about my 45th rotation around the earth. Um, yeah, let's do that for a second <laughs> because, all right. So this is kind of, yeah, this is a gush if, if there ever was one. So, you know, everyone knows my name is Nicole Younger. Everyone always jokes about how much younger I look and I'm just like, <laughs> it's true. But, <laughs> you know, now, I mean, cause I don't care how, you know, if people, People know how much I how old I am um so but it's 45 and everyone's like oh I thought you were like 32 yeah I would never have guessed that it actually wasn't until we started working together on this podcast that I even realized you were older than me at all because <laughs> we were talking I was about, like wait a minute wait a minute we were talking about aging out and I was like well back in 99 and then <laughs> there was a hush and it was like yep and I, wait a minute okay yeah I totally did look like I was 12 when I aged out though that's Aww. yeah so you know if anybody could have like gave me a new birth certificate maybe I would have done another but mm. um <laughs> but you know honestly though after going back in 2011 after being out for eight years and I was like oh, yeah, I want to do another season this is gonna be great Woo, child my body was like nope <laughs> But you paid all your dues, so you better go ahead and finish. Yeah. But yeah, no, having a good time on my birthday. Love that I share uh, this day with all of the rest of the powerful and um, inspiring women before me, the ones that are after me. Um, yeah, it it makes this day that much more important to me. So yeah, gushing about my birthday. Mm. Oh, well, happy birthday again. <laughs> happy birthday. Beth, what would you like to gush and go about? All right. So I am celebrating a little bit of an anniversary today for Gush and Go. Uh, about this time last year, I was on Marching Arts Now, and now I'm getting to do this. So I am just really thankful for all of the opportunities that, you know, Guard gives us to connect with each other and do all of this. I just want to gush about some of the other amazing directors in the circuit in my area who have been so helpful and so uplifting. I'm just, I, I'm in love with this sport and I'm so glad that we have a supportive atmosphere to work in. That's awesome. That is awesome. And that's what it takes is a supportive atmosphere. <laughs> Beth is well on her way to being a uh, marching arts communicator. Why don't you tell us about music in our schools month? Music in our schools month. For more than 30 years, March has been officially designated by the National Association for Music Education for the observance of Music in Our Schools Month, the time of year when music education becomes the focus of schools across the nation. The purpose of this month is to raise awareness of the importance of music education for all children and to remind citizens that school is where all children should have access to music. March is an opportunity for music teachers to bring their music programs to the attention of the school and the community and to display the benefits that school music brings to students of all ages. The events surrounding this month are the ideal opportunities for increasing awareness of the benefits of high quality music education programs in our nation's schools. NAFME hopes that teachers, students, and music supporters alike will find ways to join in on the celebration through creative activities and advocacy. Learn more about how NAFME works to support music education on their website, nafme.org. 
Let's bring Steven back in here because he has another performer spotlight. This time we are back in Texas with a section leader from the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, ooh, Rio Grande Valley Indoor Winds, Ashley Negrete. Hey everyone, it's Steven again, and I'm back this week with another performer spotlight. Today we're speaking to an ever elusive WGI Piccolo section leader. She's a member of UTRGV Wins. Everyone, welcome Ashley Negrete. Hey, Ashley. Hi, thank you for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were looking to try to get around all the different uh, ends of the activity, so I was happy to get to talk to you. Um, we like to start out this beginning of this segment with what we call a life story in 32 counts. It gives you about 30 seconds to just run through your marching history, what you do for school, and just uh, try to keep it brief. Do you think you get it? Alrighty. Yeah, I got it. All right. And let's give it a go. So my marching band experience starts back from high school. I marched for three years, two years marching, and one year as a soloist my junior year before COVID hit. And I had only found out about UTRGV Indoor Winds my first semester of college. So my brother was involved and he convinced me to join, which I was very excited to. And I'm really glad that I did because of the accolade that I've achieved. And I just can't wait to see what's in store for this season. Is UTRGV your first uh, ensemble independent experience? Yes, it is. It's okay. my first one. And uh, I understand that stands for University of Texas Rio Grande Valley, right? Yes, correct. <laughs> Are you a student there? Yes, I am. This is my second year as a student. Okay, nice. Um, is UTRGV wins an actual like ensemble that you can be a part of for credit with the music program? or? Uh, yes, it is. And it, it also counts as an extracurricular. There are some non-music majors that also join the program. So, Are there performers from outside of the college as well? Yes, there is. I know one of my piccolo players um, is a, I want to say he's an, an um, engineering major. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For fun. Yeah. Probably a good break from all of that math. I was a math minor, so I know the, the grind. Um, what would you say is like a typical weekend for you guys at UTRGV? A weekend? Yeah, like a, do you guys rehearse on the weekends or how does it break down? Um, we mostly rehearse like during the, the week. We oh, rehearse, really? Yes, we rehearse Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays for four hours. And um, I think we rarely even rehearse in the weekends. So. Wow, that's interesting. That's very different from like a lot of the ends of the activity. Is there anything that you would say is like surprising for you being a member of a marching program compared to what you've done with Piccolo up to this point? I think the biggest difference is just um, this program that I'm in. We're all like student led. There's student, there's section leaders, there's officers, there's um the like a little visual team that we have. And I think it's just it's it's amazing how much we can do as like a student body. And of course, we have our um our band director, Dr. Torres, like overlooking our program. And I don't know, I just think it's pretty cool. That is really cool. Are the students also like teaching? Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. That's, that's amazing, actually, because you guys, you won the entire world class last year. And normally it's a lot of people that are older instructing and it's usually kind of less of that organic thing going on. Um, so that's really cool to hear about. But I want to play a short little game before we uh, kind of wrap it up for today. It's called March Teach Cut. If you could have marched in any marching band show or WGI wins show, what would it be? Mm, a show that I have in mind and my UTRG friends listening to this would probably be like, why would you want to do that? I literally just went through that season. Why would you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of crazy to um, admit, but I would like um, their 2019 show called El Otro Lado. I would have loved to have marched that because 
um, compared to these shows that have all these cool visuals with amazing music and beautiful, again, beautiful visuals, you know, uh -huh. the meaning and the message behind in Lotaralalo, the way it's conveyed and the way it expresses our culture from down in the Rio Grande Valley and how it represents um, our relatives who are no longer with us. And when we celebrate the Day of the Dead, that's like a beautiful little reminder for me. And I think um, the fulfillment that I would have like, you know, felt performing that. I think that's what's, you know, most important for me when I'm um, watching a show. I don't know. I just yeah. think it's pretty cool. <laughs> no, that is really cool because it's not that common that the show you do gets to like really represent kind of your culture from where you're from. Um, mm -hmm. So that that's definitely really interesting. Is there a show that you would have loved to have designed or taught? Um, I do recall this one show from 2020. It's Avon High School's Arise show. Mm -hmm. And I really, <laughs> I really love their intro. Um, it had a little bit of Katy Perry and um, they had a, it, the show just had a lot of variation of, you know, visuals embodied within the beginning throughout the show. And I think it was unfinished due to COVID. So like, yeah, imagine being in a spot where you could literally just finish out that show, like, you know, without having to worry about COVID and stuff. I think that would be really, really cool. <laughs> what about a not very great show that you would wipe from existence, given the chance? Hmm. It's always a bit <laughs> of a spicy question. <laughs> this is a really hard one because honestly, like really, in my opinion, I wouldn't wipe any show from experience because- Sure. Uh <laughs> I don't have. But I'm any. forcing you to. <laughs> I can't really think of one because, look, in my head, it's just every show, like whether it's good or bad, it was produced to entertain, to express a message or a theme, and with everything that comes within a show, from everything that went wrong to everything that went right, you know, including a visual arrow, you know, um, mm -hmm. there's inspiration and stuff. Like there's a scenario that we were we had a um, a visual run of our show in 2022. And there's a set where we have these A and B lines doing um, kind of like a ripple, like um, visual. And we're all yeah. like in the box. And I had made the mistake of getting up um, those last two counts where everybody is down. And uh, so it was pretty embarrassing for me. But then, I hear you. Yeah. The next rehearsal, they actually included that in our uh, show, in our visual and had the main person who was in the box, the main circle, like like the main center person mm -hmm. do that visual so i thought that was pretty cool yeah you got to write the show a little bit whether you intended to or not um <laughs> that is pretty cool um is there uh your favorite video maybe that if our listeners wanted to check you out they could go search on youtube or something like that yeah um there's this video on youtube it's called tcgc state etrgb wins and it's the latest video that shows the woodman visuals that go on during the bassoon solo and the brass arc visual um, that visual, in my opinion, was one of my favorite to do with my Whitman friends. It was very cool. Um, cool. And then lastly, just where could people find you on social media? What's what's your preferred one? Um, my app is ashley.ngrt. The account is on on private, but I'll most likely accept your follow request. <laughs> okay. Is that on Instagram or? Yes, that's or... on it. Okay, cool. Well, Ashley, it was great talking to you. Great getting to hear a little bit more of your perspective as someone who's marching WGI wins this year. Good luck at finals. and. Uh, I look forward. Maybe I'll get to see you out there. We'll see. All right. Now it's time to get our history lesson of the week. So each week, marching pageantry arts museum folks are going to give us a little bit of history so we can know what came before us. Um, they're working on a much larger series that's coming in April onto a water break. So uh, <laughs> you are going to want to stay tuned for that. 
So it's time to take a march through history. Take it away, Bill. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Ives from the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, with this week's fascinating snippet of marching pageantry history. The Audubon Bonbons All-Girl Corps of Audubon, New Jersey, attended the American Legion Nationals held on September 14, 1957, in Atlantic City, New Jersey. They had beaten all of the major corps that year and others as well. After beating Holy Name, otherwise known as Garfield Cadets, by points all season, they beat the Bonbons by a score of 91.3 to 90.95, a difference of 0.35 tenths. The next weekend, the Bonbons beat Garfield by four points. Bill Bernard, director of the Corps, and our other instructors were told that the judges said, did you really think we would let the girls win? We've come a long way since that day, but it's always on our minds. Years later, at a banquet hosted by Garfield cadets celebrating their many national titles, Mickey Pertone was one of the speakers, and he congratulated them on winning all of their national titles except the 1957 American Legion Nationals. He stated that we all know Audubon really won that one. Stay tuned to future podcast episodes for more fascinating snippets from the colorful history of this wonderful activity we call the Marching Arts. To learn more about the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum, go to marchingpageantryartsmuseum.org and follow us on social media. All right, you gotta love the Audubon Bonds. <laughs> uh, you, but imagine just being told that you're not gonna beat the boys. You know, could you imagine that? Like, that? no, thank you. <laughs> I've seen some, and and I haven't seen in person any of these, like um, any of the all female cores, but I've seen pictures. And what a special time to have been in drum corps, you know, especially an all female core. And I don't know, I I just I would have been like, all right, bring it, <laughs> you know, it would have been yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the women in that day were like that, like talking to Sadie last week and, you know, just talking to some of these women who are going to be coming up on the next few weeks. It's, it's incredible to kind of hear their stories of like, yeah, we were like that. That's just how we do. Like they didn't even think it was anything special. And nowadays we're like, Oh, you, you are, were sticking it to them. Right. <laughs> it's like, Oh, you are, Oh, you need a cape. <laughs> You're a superhero. <laughs> uh, well, we've learned about the past. Now it's time to move on to the present with some news. So besides all the DCI drum majors that are being announced, congrats to them, by the way. There's a ton of stuff happening over in DCI land. So, Tom, what'd you bring for us from DCI? Right, DCI. <clears throat> That's like uh, Drum Corps International. That's not Winter Guard. Um, so that still happens, and that's happening this summer, right? The Blue Knights... <clears throat> announced their show called Unharnessed. Not what I thought. It doesn't involve drums and not wearing them. All right. No no jokes, no laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're doing some Requiem. They're doing some Doors, some Lenny Kravitz. Um, it, it sounds like it's going to be actually a pretty interesting show. Uh, and everyone's like, oh, their first show is until July 7th. That's really when tour starts this year in July. It's not June anymore, so everyone calm down. That's just how it is. It's not like the Blue Knights have a shorter tour than anybody else. Um, but 
I think they've got a lot to prove this summer and, and want to get back into the top 12. So getting into the top 12 is going to be a lot, uh, you know, there's a lot of good cores, 11 through like what, 15. <clears throat> so good. Yeah. Anybody. There's, it's just a, a lot of good competition. Um, Music City announced their new show, um, uh, Violent Delights, A Rose and Its Thorns. We didn't announce any music to go with it, but um, uh, building on what they had last year, uh, I, I think they've got to run for a spot as well in the top 12, maybe. So that's pretty cool. Um, Colt Cadets have a new director um, who I think is going to really help that that organization grow as, as well. The Colt Cadets aren't just tiny little kids anymore. They're like almost top five in, in, um, in the open class. <laughs> So that's pretty rad. Yeah, dude, I will tell you, I spent uh, three to four years with Colts. And what they're able to let or get the Colt cadets to do at such a young age literally blows my mind and warms my heart at the same time because they're little and doing it and sound great. So, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, they're like the Blue Devil C, right? They're so fun. But at the same time, you're like, wow, I couldn't do that when I was that age. Or maybe I could. I just didn't know about it yet. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then, you know, the Santa Clara Vanguard still have some some light at their end of their tunnel, I hope. Um, but in, in news, their executive deck director resigned today. Um, so, you know, if you're following that and want to be part of that and help that organization, check into that. I think they have all kinds of ways of donating to them and helping them some way or another. Sad to see, but let's hope there's light for the organization. So Music in Our Schools Month is a time to think about programs like this one. So there is a program that is in Colorado, I believe. Um, Basically, it's uh, what they're doing is shining more light on how you can help donate instruments. Now going, I'm just going to shy away from this for just a second. I was a band kid before I was in color darn. And, um, I actually, uh, did band all through high school and I, our programs didn't have a problem with getting instruments, knock on wood, but I just can't believe that there is, well, there is a shortage of some schools, that have instrument shortages and they don't really have the resources to get them unless they are donated. So basically what's happening is that there is a program that's called bringing music to life and it's an instrument drive. So any of your lightly used instruments can be donated um, for this drive. Um, This just means there's more access to music in other schools that which otherwise wouldn't get it. So if you actually Google drop off, um, drop off for gently used band and orchestra instruments, they'll have different places pretty much all over the U.S. that tells you when you can do this. And um, the drop off times are between March 6th, which has already started to March 19th. Um, And the biggest reason for this too, and you just want to check, make sure it's not a damaged instrument that you're giving because the cost of repairing instruments is about $77,000 to a program that doesn't have that already, right? To a program that doesn't have that already, that's a lot of money. So they're spending that, uh, you know, on the instruments 
you know, to get them repaired for it to be, you know, used. So just make sure that what you're donating is in working use um, so that, you know, those schools, those programs don't have to, you know, come up with more money to fix those instruments. But I think it's a great thing. Like I had three clarinets after I was done um, with my, (laughs) my high school career of like doing band and, uh, I think the best thing I ever did was to donate those because if not, they would have collected dust somewhere. And um, yeah, and not to mention like two of them were plastic clarinets and one was a uh, was a wooden clarinet and wooden clarinets are very good. So yeah, <laughs> donate those instruments, y'all. So in college band right now, uh, the Purdue Marching Band is headed to Ireland for the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Dublin. They're bringing 364 members across the pond to do that performance. And I know they are all over the moon for that. And then the University of Michigan Marching Band is getting a new practice facility, mm-hmm. Elbow Field. Uh, which is a currently existing practice spot, is being transformed into a world-class facility for their marching band to practice. My goodness, that's awesome. We just heard about another marching band that's getting a makeover on their field or something like that too, so that they're mm-hmm. only using it. I just get so excited. I'm like, please let me see what this is going to look like. All right, everyone. Thanks for a great rehearsal this week. Thank you so much to our hosts, Nicole, Tom, and our guest host this week, Beth Tapin. Thank you once again to our Beth, Cindy, Whitney, Bill, Steven, and the rest of our amazing hosts. Thank you to Lindsay Schuler for joining us. Guys, if you want to follow her on social media, you can find her on Facebook, Instagram. It's at L Schuler, S-C-H-U-E-L-L-E-R. And uh, thank you so much, like I said, for joining us. Stay tuned for more exciting guests as we celebrate Women's History Month and Music in Our Schools Month. Go subscribe, write us a review. Share this episode with a friend, and we will see you at the next rehearsal on a water break. Later. Good practice.